Good afternoon, everybody. It is Sunday afternoon in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. My name is Adam Bittner, Assistant Sports Editor for Multimedia at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, joined for once by Christopher Carter for the Steelers post-game show. Usually Paul Zeiss is in this seat. Uh, Paul's got some stuff going on this week, so Chris is stopping by the normal host of the North Shore Drive. You can hear that Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and during Steelers season, we have a special Saturday edition um, Chris, how are you after a 13 to 10 Steelers loss? Very frustrating, um, especially the way it ended. I think it was it was it was frustrating all the way through, but the Steelers still had a chance to win the game after the two minute warning. That's supposed supposed to be when they get things done. They did not today. I tweeted before the game that it was going to be five five in overtime, and then I was looking at 10 10. Like, oh boy, maybe I was. I just needed to double my numbers, and I would have been right there for a second. But in all seriousness, you know, it, it's. You know, for me, it's like it's all football. Like I, I enjoy, I love what I do. So, like me, I don't, I don't ever have a bad time. Like I'm, I'm an, even, even when I'm watching a terrible game, and that was a very sloppily played game on both sides. Lots of terrible officiating that I thought was made, made the game also very cloudy. Uh, but I think the biggest takeaway that you have to have from this game, Adam, is Kenny Pickett and his lack of production in this game. And I know that's what we're about to talk about. But 15 of 28 for 106 yards. And we'll have the all 22 in a day or two here to look at again what they are. But like just from the broadcast angles, it looked like the Browns were letting some wide open dudes run across the field. And again, down the middle of the field. I I don't think that the Steelers have as much of a play calling problem as much of a Kenny Pickett needs to make the plays that are right in front of him problem. Chris, I think you set it up well. I want to dig into that a lot more before we do. Just want to thank our primary sponsor for this episode of the podcast um, and our live stream, it is Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh. There's no better place to get new windows and doors installed in your home than Pella, who can help you save on energy costs year-round. Schedule a free in-home consultation with your local Pella Windows and Doors to find the right product for your home and budget. Give them a call at 866-593-1560 to discuss your project further. That's 866-593-1560 to get started planning on your new windows and doors installation with Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh. Chris, you mentioned that Kenny Pickett was in the spotlight today. Um, there's the way the Steelers have played the last couple of weeks, the way they've gotten the running game going. I think some of the criticism of Matt Canada has died down a little bit and, and some of the heat has landed on Kenny Pickett for the way the passing game has not gotten on track. Uh, I'm going to ask you about Canada here in a second, but just, just talking about Pickett here at the top. Um, what did you see from him today? What was, what was working? What was not working? And I guess most of that's going to be in the latter category. I mean, what was working was the run game. I mean, anytime you run with your running backs, get 160 yards on the Browns defense, the way that they've played this year, you your running game worked. And yes, I know a big chunk of that is from Jalen Warren on a touchdown run. But guess what? That's part of that's part of the averages. You know, that's 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 part of that's part of what actually happens there. I think the run game worked. I think Broderick Jones did a good job. I think Isaac Sayamalo had a really bad game. Some of the and him and Dan Moore as as a collective on the left side did not look good in this game. Uh, But and you could point to a few things here and there on the offense, but there there are some times where I think the play calling is it, it does deserve to be called in question. But man, like when you have a simple five yard out and you have protection and he's open and your quarterback misses him, and it happens multiple times in a game, it's hard to put that on anything else other than a quarterback. And I know everyone, listen. Uh, there, there is that dichotomy of Steelers fans that some hate Kenny Pickett, some are neutral about Kenny Pickett, some are, some are, some love Kenny Pickett. And whenever I've criticized Kenny Pickett this year, there's been the side of the aisle that thinks that, hey, Chris is making some good points. There's a side of the aisle that says, Chris, you hate Kenny Pickett. 
I'm a guy, I cover Pitt now. I covered Pitt when he played there. Kenny was always very nice to me. He still is nice to me. He's helped me with a story that I've written for Pitt this year uh, that, I, that I was dig, dig, you know, dig, digging up on, and I have sourced him on, in, in stories. I don't have any personal problems with Kenny Pickett. But if you are objectively evaluating his quarterback play, he is not playing at the NFL level right now. And especially in this game, third down in the red zone, field goal drive. The Steelers are moving. They've, they've crushed the Browns with the run game. You have Deontay Johnson running on a slant over the middle, completely left uncovered. It's a great call, great opportunity. He doesn't even look his way. And that right there, there's no way that I know people are going to say, well, maybe he was taught to look the, the, a different direction or look this way or look that way. There's no way the Steelers engineered a play where their number one wide receiver was running wide open over the middle part of the field. And that wasn't a primary read for Kenny Pickett. That is where this this offense continues to have problems. We, we can analyze why that is, sure, but there is no doubt the biggest problem with the Steelers' offense is that Kenny Pickett cannot take what is right there in front of him. And until Steelers fans accept that, we can't have a mature conversation about what's really wrong with this offense. I think there's problems with Matt Canada. I'm not. I, I think that he should be gone at the end of the year. But the execution problems right now—that is the biggest hurdle the Steelers have to overcome. Is it a progression thing, Chris? Is it is it a a matter of he's he's feeling pressure that's not there? Because I, I think that is sometimes what I see is um, sometimes the pressure is there, and sometimes the offense. I think about that first drive where you know Tam Moore misses the block. You're you're right. You're right on the goal line. Kenny Kenny Pickett had no chance there, and mm-hmm. I wonder what the impact of plays like that are on his psyche later in games, and, and if he's feeling things that aren't there. That's what the listen. Those plays certainly happen, and when it does, I pointed out like, "Hey, offensive line stunk here." There was a screen pass where Mason Cole, if he just if he just touches his man, if he just gives him a little shove, he gets out of Kenny Pickett's way. It's an easy screen pass to Jalen Warren, and he's off to the races because he had three dudes blocking in front of him. But because Mason Cole doesn't block his guy, that execution is missed. It's a big play opportunity that the Steelers don't have in their hands, and like that moment isn't on Kenny Pickett. But when you draft a quarterback in the first round, and, and I'm not saying Kenny Pickett is fully developed and this is always who he's going to be, but you expect him to make these basic throws that are right there. I think as far as your question, I actually asked Kenny Pickett and Deontay Johnson this week in the Steelers locker room about simulated pressures. And what a simulated pressure is, for those who don't know, is when a defense lines up a whole lot of guys in positions that look like they're going to be the blitz, but then they back off. And the idea of a simulated pressure is to speed up the quarterback's mental clock so that he's thinking, I got to get it to my hot read and not wait through this and wait for my my, my options to come open. Because as we've seen, look at the Steelers defense. Steelers defense played tremendous today, but no defense can cover everybody all all day, every day. And that is where this, that where fake blitzes come into play to try to slow things down. The Steelers used it on Dorian Thompson Robinson, and it worked a, a, quite, quite a few times. They, they, they kept him in check for pretty much the entire game. And crazy enough, as bad as Kenny Pickett was, Dorian Thompson Robinson had a worse passer rating this, this game. But Kenny Pickett is drafted in the first round to be able to make these plays. And I have been all on board for the conversation that Kenny Pickett in the clutch had been cash money this season. All the game-winning drives, the fourth quarter comebacks. He was in position again to do it today, and he just didn't do it. And again, it wasn't that the opportunities weren't there. They weren't taken. And some of it, yes, deals with pressure and feeling it a little too early, and the offensive line could be better here and there. But that's part of what I saw Kenny Pickett do well at Pitt 
was there were games, the Clemson game, I think back to his, his last year at Pitt, where he's getting hit, he's taking phys- physical physical contact, but he's not letting that affect him in, in, in the pocket. That's where I think that Kenny Pickett has to be better. Now, again, if we want to talk about Matt Canada, I don't think it's the play calls that are about the problem with Matt Canada. I don't think it's it's getting guys open or getting plays to the middle of the field because you know what? Those plays are there. Again, Deontay Johnson over the middle. George Pickens is over the middle. There, there, there were plenty of opportunities for that. And I've pointed this out all season long in, in the All-22 review, and I'm sure we'll do it again uh, early this week when we get the All-22 reviews. But the bottom line for, Ken, for Kenny Pickett in those situations, you have to, to communicate that. Now, if Matt Canada, if the problem is Matt Canada teaching him to see that, that can be a legitimate complaint. And I've said this for a while now. I think Matt Canada's biggest weakness is not play calling. It's teaching your players to understand what you need to execute in this critical moment to make these basic plays happen. That is, the, I think, the biggest disconnect that is happening right now in the Steelers' offense. Coordinating. I mean, that's that's what the title is, right? It is coordinating an offense yes. and getting 11 guys to do the same thing at the same time um, to have success. And, and I've had, I think that that's a criticism I've had going back to last season where um, they would kind of get in these RPOs and there always seemed to be one of those illegal man downfield penalties uh, because not everyone was on the same page. The, the play was developing before the, um, you know, where the blockers were ahead of where the play was developing and, and things like that. And to me, that's always been a coordination issue, but I want to pull specifically at the thread, Chris, of you don't think it's a matter of making things easier for Kenny Pickett and that that uh, Matt Canada is doing a poor job of that because I think that's a core criticism of him right now is, yes, you've done a great job um, fixing up this running game, but the Steelers have not been able to take advantage in the passing game of what they've been doing with the running game. And is that is that a coordinator problem? So I want to just give you a chance to talk about that a little bit more. If Matt Canada needs to make this offense any simpler – we are going to have a – I don't know how much simpler you can make. As much as people talk about how simple the Steelers' offense is, you know why it's simple? Because they're not executing the basic things that are there. And, again, it comes back down to this. You can tell a guy to – to to you can tell a guy a million years blue, blue in the face. If he can't hit the five-yard slant that's right in front of him with nobody covering him, there's not much else you can do at that point because other, other than just keep running the football and hoping that you hit home runs because that's right now that's what happened with the Steelers run game with today was you know again that that's a good Browns defense that you that you're playing and you ran for over 160 yards on them and if you get 160 plus yards on the ground and only 10 points on offense there's no other place to look than the passing game right and you know again we got to see the whole 22 all field situation but Time and time again, I have told people this year in, in games, they don't want to believe me that I'm like, hey, guys, we're open on this play. In games that I've attended, I've been in the press box for. I guess the Niners, the opening week of the season, they got destroyed. I was saying like, hey, Pickens is open over here. Johnson's open, open over there. Frymuth's open over here. It was it was happening, and Kenny Pickett wasn't seeing it. People didn't want to believe it because they want to believe in Kenny Pickett. And I get that. Kenny Pickett's a very likable guy. He's made a lot of big plays in his career. He's been huge in this town. He brought this town its first ever ACC football championship. But – if you're being objective, these are mistakes that cannot be put anywhere else. And if you want to say that coaching, as far as teaching wise, is getting there, I'd even agree with you because I think that at, at this point, they should be able to get him to see some of these things. But there's sometimes where you can't, you can bring a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And that's where I'm, I, if I'm a Steelers fan, I'd be very afraid that that is where Kenny Pickett is right now. Yeah, I'd be very afraid, like you mentioned, that that you know, if Canada is not doing that that teaching element, that um, you know, these these bad habits have another half a season to stick, right? And 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 even if the Steelers do bring another offensive coordinator next season, how long is it going to take to undo some of what we're seeing right now? I, I don't know the answer to that. 
Um, Chris, I want to switch gears here briefly, uh, finish a up a couple more topics on offense. Um, the running game today looked looked great. Jalen Warren um, was dominant. Was today became Jalen Warren's backfield, or, or I guess more accurately, should this have been the day that this became Jalen Warren's backfield? I mean, I think that you know, the the carries have kind of shown the Steelers are very much splitting it between these two guys. And I think that that's what the Steelers are, are doing that's getting it right. Jalen Warren's a, a fantastic running back. I, I, I'd i said this last year uh, when I was at Steelers training camp. I got a one-on-one -on -one with Eddie Falcon, the running back coach. They said right then and there that, Chris, he was our sixth running back on that on the draft board that year. Like, like Compared across all the running backs that came out when Jalen Warren went undrafted, he said as soon as we saw he was undrafted, we were, we were like, we got to get that guy. And they went and got that guy. And that's what they were. That's what they were. And they they believed in him from the jump. They wanted to see how he progressed. He's done a great job. The biggest thing I'd be worried about if I'm about Jalen Warren is with his size, the way that he runs, you give him the ball too much. He could break. He's a guy that you can run the wheels off of when everyone talked about how Willie Parker had the wheel, wheels run off him. That's what I think the Steelers are trying to balance right now, because some people say, why is Najee Harris even out there? Najee Harris makes good plays. He's a good running back. Jalen Warren is a more explosive running back, and that's what's yielding some of the big, bigger yardage. And I think the Steelers, they recognize that. They're getting him on the field more. Heck, I mean, you you look at how he's how he played, how he played today, and you look at how he was, you know, both were getting the ball uh last week in their win over the Packers. It's clear that they that they believe in both of these guys and they want Jalen Warren to, to have more more control in the backfield. But they also don't want to run him into the ground so early in his career. I think that the Steelers have bigger plans for Jalen Warren moving, moving, uh, moving forward. Chris, I also want to talk about the offensive line. I think inconsistent is my word for the day with them. I, th I think there were things that, you know, there were plays you looked at, you know, the touchdown's probably right up there, but there there was a lot of times today you'd say, man, I can still see what I've seen the last couple of weeks. I think there's still a lot to feel good about. Um, there were also times where they looked like, you know, when they let the Penguins out at the Pittsburgh Zoo and they're flapping around, you know, walking down the uh, down the path to, to see the people. Um, what was your overall assessment of, of that group today um, and, and where they're going? Mixed bag because there were some really great moments. I thought Broderick Jones, there were times that he was crushing people. And I was like, okay. There were times James Daniels was crushing people. Hey, there was a couple good, really good blocks from Mason Cole. And to me, he had been the weakest link of the Steelers offensive line to the first half of the season. I thought he played well. But um, Dan Moore Jr., like there's been some games where Dan Moore Jr. has just limited Miles Garrett just enough for the Steelers to win. And they've done that more times than not in Dan Moore Jr.'s time. This was a game that that did not happen. That opening play, the opening drive where, where he gave up the sack. I mean, he doesn't even try to touch Miles Garrett. And it was just that's that's pathetic. You can't you can't play that way. Isaac Sayamalo got beat on quite a few plays, looked like he was lost at times. And part of this is the Jim Schwartz defense. They bring up a lot of guys to the line of scrimmage to force the offensive line to communicate. And if you don't communicate, it either it, it leads to a pressure coming in certain situations. And the offensive line deserves a lot of you know, criticism for that, but they also deserve a lot of credit for creating run running space uh, against the Cleveland Browns in, in, in this game. Uh, again, it was 160 plus yards. If I'm looking at the total here, rushing totals 172 when you factor in some of the Kenny Pickett scrambles, um, you know, and every, everything, everything they did in this, in this game. When I look at, when I look at that, I'm thinking like, if I got 170 plus yards on the ground against the Browns, I, as a coach, I should be, I should be, we should be winning this game. Like I'm looking, if I'm looking at that objectively, um, just looking right now, that is the most yards the Browns have given up on the ground this season. 
and, and you you got to be able to win with that. So it's a mixed bag for the offensive line. There's certainly a lot of complaints uh, as far as some of the pass protection from certain players, uh, but there's a lot of good to be said about the run blocking from other players. And so that that's where I don't uh, the offensive line deserves some of the some of the the you know the bad the, you know the bad credit in in this game. But to me, they are not nearly the biggest problem with the offense right now. I think it, if Ray Fittipaldo does his report card, if I'm guessing uh, what he's going to come back with, it might be a C plus, B minus type of type of effort for them. Um, and, and I think the thing that's worth mentioning is even if you take that big Warren run away, I think they were still finding runs with consistency. I think they yeah. were still setting themselves up, um, you know, in good down and distance situations, and then just not executing on the back end um, for reasons that were on the line, for reasons that were on Kenny Pickett. Um, but but they were still creating those those opportunities, and I think that's. Um, an important development for the offensive line. Chris, any more thoughts on offense? Any thoughts on the receivers before we move on to the defense here? Um, you know, it's tough to say with some of the receivers because there were times, and I asked this about Deontay Johnson, and this is something that is very hard to tell unless you literally sit in the film room with these guys. But part of the part of what happens in up in the passing game when you're dealing with the blitz is not just the quarterback seeing it, it's also the receiver seeing it and running the right routes to counter with that. And it is always very tough to say, hey, is that the route that this guy should run on this given play? Or is that is this the route that guy should run on that given play? That's always tough. So those are things that you need to you need to kind of take a step back, look at the all 22, and then make some just some 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 assessments. It's like, okay, now that we see the whole field and how the entire play was structured, what should have happened here? What was what was the goal here? And if that's Part of what happens there, I, I think that you know, you could you if we look at that and we see that there were some some option routes that should have been taken that normally are in the Steelers offense, we could certainly point to the receivers uh for poor play there. But it, it's tough for me to criticize a group that got very little chance, very few chances to make plays. There were a couple plays that Deontay Johnson like could have hauled in an amazing catch, but there were very few plays that were just, hey, hit me and hit me in, in, as I'm running and let me let, let me take off there. Uh, those didn't happen too often. And if I'm the, if I'm the, I'm the Steelers again, that's that's where I'm looking at my emphasis. I, I don't have many critiques for the for the receivers. I'll say this. I think George Pickens, uh, you know, he's a, still a really good blocker. Uh, you know, he you know, in a game where in a game where if, you know, George Pickens has been accused of being a diva and all these other things. In, in a game where he was he was barely getting targeted, he was getting open. He, he there were opportunities that weren't being given him. He was still out there blocking hard, being physical, fighting for every yard, and that to me deserves kudos from him at least from the mentality standpoint to push against the narrative that he doesn't care about the team and he's all about himself. Because I know that was pushed out there because of his Instagram comments or or, or whatever. Um, so that, that that's my main thoughts on the receivers. I need to see more tape on them to me, give a full evaluation of how they actually play. And that's why we have you coming back all week on the North Shore Drive, Chris. So yeah. Giving your thoughts, giving your thoughts after you've watched the tape, all of that stuff. Um, we're going to get into the defense here in a second. Just want to thank a couple more of our sponsors, Goldberg, Persky, and White. If you were diagnosed with mesothelioma or lung cancer, call your local attorneys at Goldberg, Persky, and White. For over 40 years, their firm has represented thousands of lung cancer and mesothelioma victims. Call 1-800-COMPLEX or visit gpwlaw.com for a free consultation. Also want to thank Propel Schools. Propel's 13 public charter schools in Allegheny County build a solid academic foundation for lifelong learning and offer more personalized instruction at every level during your child's kindergarten through 12th grade education journey. Give your children the quality education they deserve. Learn more and apply to Propel Schools by visiting propelschools.org. Um, Chris, I think there was definitely some weathering the storm in the first half with this defense. Sure. Uh, definitely felt like the, the Browns, especially after that first drive, it, it kind of put them on their um, you know, put them on their heels a little bit, and then they really locked down in the second half, and it, it really felt like 
you know, Cleveland wasn't going to score again until that final drive. Um, what did you see from this unit overall today? And, and um, were you encouraged by how they, they responded to, to getting punched in the mouth a little bit early? Uh, very, very encouraged. And, and here's the other thing about being punched in the mouth a little bit early. They, they gave up a touchdown on a 50 yard drive. Like, it wasn't even – it was – and actually 44 yards technically because six of those yards were from a penalty that I thought was in the first place. Um, but, I mean, you look at you look at that because uh, it was a play where I think it was Joey Porter – was that the – I forget if that was the play where Joey Porter Jr. got called for holding after after Amari Cooper pushed off on him. Uh, but either way, um, you know, I look at that. That's the one drive where I was like, man, the, the Steelers defense really, you know, messed, messed up there. But even on that drive, Adam – I don't care what Gene Steratore or, or Charles Davis or whoever the heck was on the was on the call says. There's not one angle anyone has showed where a ball has bro- broken a plane on the, on the touchdown that they gave that they gave the, the Browns because it was it was not a touchdown. I still haven't seen it. The only angle that you can even see the ball shows he it is short of the line to gain. Larry Ogunjobi pulls him backwards. The ball comes with him backwards. It should have been fourth and in inches. And if the Browns get it there, they get it there. That's fine. But that I, there's not an angle that they've shown. And it, it'd be one thing if it was called a touchdown live and then just upheld because they didn't see any angles to overturn it. But to overturn the call there, I thought that was abysmal. I thought there were a lot of things that this, that, this, that went against the Steelers in this game. Defensively, though, other than, again, that one drive, the only touchdown they allowed that still that the ball never broke the plane, they defended the field extremely well. You're talking about a team that kept being put, especially in the second half, um, they kept being put it back on the, out on the field. The Steelers, to start the second half, they get the ball right after the right after the touchdown. They they they, they force a punt. The Steelers' offense three and out. Guess what happens after that? The Steelers force another punt. The Steelers get, I think, seven yards of offense on the next on the next drive, and give the ball to the Browns at the at the Steelers' forty eight. The Steelers' t- defense has every right at this point to be gassed, toast, done against a really strong offensive line. They could get bullied. What happens? The Steelers get an interception. Then after the interception, another three and out from the Steelers' offense. Two yards of offense. The defense goes right back out there. And not only that, but they're giving a short field defense. They're again, the Browns started in Steelers' field, Steelers territory. Back-to-back drives in Steelers' territory. Zero points allowed by the Steelers' defense. And I've been saying this all season long. I think the Steelers' defense is the best second-half adjustment group in the NFL as far as defensive-wise. defensive So many games we see, we come out, the, the on offense comes out, makes a couple plays early, the Steelers talks about it, figure it out, second half, they're right back on it, and they're, and they're keeping the team in the game. And this defense deserves a ton of credit for keeping them in the game. And mind you, in a game where they had – uh, they had they had practice squad guys playing linebacker and safety at key points there. Trenton Thompson deserves a ton of credit for being in position consistently throughout the game. He had some big hits at some big moments. Uh, Michael Walker, I didn't see him as much, but I don't think he was nearly the problem that he could have been at linebacker. And Landon Roberts played out of his mind. I think that's one of the things that's that's really sad about this game is that that guy deserved a game ball and and, and would have gotten it if the offense had just done their jobs. Um, TJ Watt still got a sack. Uh, you know, Joy Porter Jr. had really good coverage. Patrick Peterson had really good coverage. Um, and, and again, this is a safety that's missing Minka Fitzpatrick. At one point, they were down to their fifth safety in Miles Killebrew, and he was out there making plays. So I, I have no if if I was to if I was to come at the defense and say anything other than man, just a couple plays early on, a couple plays in the last drive. Uh, you know, it could have been better here and there. If I did anything more than that, I'd be trying to force a narrative that's not there about the Steelers' defense. This defense is good. They make plays when they need to. They they gave the Steelers every every chance to win this game. 
want to dig in a little bit more on the middle linebackers, Chris. I think they were a big story throughout the week with Quan Alexander out for the season. Previously, you lose Cole Holcomb. Yep. Um, those were two guys that did a lot of important work, but you mentioned the Landon Roberts today. I thought played phenomenally, was everywhere. Um, yeah. What do you like from what you saw today against a defense that, or an offense that can run the ball well? Do you have faith that that they can do this next man up thing with that middle linebacking core and and stay you know cranking out performances like you saw today without those guys over the long term? Yes and no. I think that. Uh... I think that the Steelers defense, if they when they play more teams that are like the Browns that aren't trying to throw the ball all over the place, I think that the that Landon Roberts is perfect for that. He can, and he is he looked like such a good communicator. I really think that there were so many times where where there was late communication. Hey, over here, over there, and, he, and he's talking to practice squad guys, guys that wouldn't be on on the you know have a helmet right now if it weren't for two or three guys being injured on top of this, right? Um, but for him to go out there and he's keep, not only keeping everyone in line, but also being in the right spots. So many times the Browns testing him in open space saying, aha, here's Jerome Ford or, or Kareem Hunt uh, or David Njoku in space. Make that open tackle. And pretty much every time and Landon Roberts did. And, and that was spectacular on his part. He deserves, you know, he, he deserves a ton of credit uh, for, for what he did this game. I'll also say Keanu Benton in the middle part of the line uh, really, really helped the Steelers out on a lot of occasions. Uh, this was a game where, the Browns tried to attack the Steelers linebackers and they didn't let them. And I have to go back. I have to admit, I didn't see much of Michael Walker, the practice squad guy who started this game, number 38. I didn't see enough of Michael Walker to be able to evaluate his play. It's another guy I'll have to watch closer on film, but just the fact that he was not at the source of being gashed in this game or giving up big screen passes is a really good sign uh, from the, from the young guys. So uh, so that, that to me, the linebackers, they did fine here against some, some bigger passing offenses. They'll probably find a way to exploit that a little bit more, but you know what, if the Steelers can get back Minka Fitzpatrick in a week or two, that might also make that job a lot easier over the middle. A lot of people in the comments screaming about Presley Harvin and the punting. He had that one twenty yard punt today. He's had a, a few others that I, I don't think you quite put in the total shank category, but that were still not very good. Chris, what do they do with this situation? It feels like it feels like every time we get to the point of Presley Harvin should be kicking for his job this week, he he comes back from the edge and comes out with a, with a great game. Um, what's your read on that situation? Is he ever going to find the consistency that the Steelers need in a game like this today? I mean, it's been it's been three years now, and, and listen, the first year I was one of the people that was all on board. Hey. He lost his dad. He lost his grandmother. That was a rough time. I get it, but. He just you got you got to be consistent at some point, man. There's there's no there's there's no excuses for it. All all in all, today he averaged less than forty yards per punt, and that's just that's not good enough. And even even in the punts where if it was a if it was a, if it was a leg strength thing, which it's not, because I've seen him punt the snot out of the ball, it would be it would be one thing. But that but even in plays you know, plays where the Steelers had decent field position and all he had to do was pin the Browns inside the ten, he was pinning him inside the twenty. He couldn't get it inside the ten, and that that to me also played a role. In the Steelers, in the Steelers' loss, if you look at some of these possessions the Steelers had in the fourth quarter, the two punts that they had, uh, they punted from their own. Sorry, I'm just trying to. They, they punted from Cleveland's 43. The Browns got the ball at their own 27. That's that 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 that's inexcusable. You can't you can't you can't do that. Um, then they punted from their own 30, and the Browns. That was like the one punt that he had. That I think he got it to to 14. Uh, he got it to the Browns 14 on, on that drive. 
No, excuse me. That was the 35. Never mind. I'm mixing up. I'm, it's tough to break this down with the fit sheet right in front of me here that kind of doesn't correlate the punch, punch situation too well. But twice the Steelers had really good field position uh, late in the game and just he couldn't even give he couldn't flip the field. Whereas the Browns punter, um, I thought did a really good job flipping the flipping the field. Uh, but Borosquez, I'm sorry if I met, butchered his name. He averaged almost 48 yards per punt. He had a 65 yarder, uh, you know, in, in this game. Presley Harvin has to be better. And like you said, there's, you know what, Mike Thomas probably going to call him out in the press conference. He's going to come out next week and boom, like a 70 yarder. And I, I got to tell you, Adam, like I covered this guy in the ACC. I watched him in 2020 punting the ball against Pitt when Pitt's defense was just all over Georgia Tech, pinning them back inside their 10 almost every drive. And then Presley Harvard would come out and just boom and would just punt the ball. And the Pitt would start inside its own 20 after being in Georgia Tech, after Georgia Tech being in its own end zone. And I was just so blown away. I'm like, man, if the Steelers can get that guy, they'll be good. And they got that guy, but he hasn't been that guy in the NFL. And that, I think that experiment, it, it needs to be done with, uh, you know, bring another punter in you know, either right now or after the season and see if you could find someone that is consistent because right now you're just not getting it. Chris, quickly, um, you and I go back and forth after every one of these Browns games. Um, usually the analytics say Miles Garrett had a better game than TJ Watt does something crazy. What did you think of that TJ Watt-Miles Garrett battle today um, and, and, and how that fi- figured in the outcome of the game? Let's see. Miles Garrett had two sacks. TJ had one, so that that that, that go that goes in Miles Garrett's favor. TJ Watt had one sack, had more quarterback hits, just as many tackles for losses, more tackles. I mean, one thing you could tell Miles Garrett impacted the game, but you could also tell that TJ Watt did. I'd say Miles Garrett had a slightly better game than TJ Watt, but it's kind of one of those things where if this is PFF, I'm you know you're probably going to see Miles Garrett with like a thousand percent grade and TJ with a twenty, and like it's going to be one of those things where TJ Watt can literally score a touchdown, sack a quarterback more times, do more in a game, and get a lesser grade than than Miles Garrett. So in this game where Miles Garrett actually I did think performed a little bit better than TJ Watt, he'll probably be leaps and bounds ahead of him. So uh, Miles Garrett certainly performed a little bit better, but that wasn't the determining factor in this game because Miles Garrett he he wasn't you know he made he made a couple plays early on, but late in the game you know the Steelers. They were running the ball, and there was a couple times they ran it at Miles Garrett, and he wasn't doing much to stop him. Um, and there were and there were times where the Steelers were moving the ball in the second half, and it wasn't him stopping him; it was Kenny Pickett missing wide open guys. So, um, you know, I think that T.J. Watt, you could see in the second half, he he made a big sack that that that, that stopped the drive. He was able to to help the Steelers defense hold it together. Um, you know, even even while Kenny Pickett was missing open guys. I, I again, I think Miles Garrett outplayed Kenny uh, T.J. Watt by a little bit, but not by much. Chris, anything more you wanted to say about the officiating? I know you had some problems. There was that roughing the passer call. I think I saw a few people get upset about. Um, there was there was the touchdown where I, I believe the explanation, going back to what you said, I never saw an angle where it was in in the end zone, but it seemed like they made the argument that they sometimes do in hockey of if the ball's in the glove and the entire glove is in the goal, then it's a goal. Um, I've rarely seen that application in the NFL. Um, you know, it, it's usually you need definitive proof that the, the ball crossed the plane. Yeah, that that's just there, and, and it's it's just so many inconsistencies. And look, if some people wants to say, I saw some Browns fans saying, "Oh, they got screwed out of a safety." Okay, well, let's flip those. The Steelers give up a safety. The Browns don't score a touchdown. Then that's seven points one way, two points the other. The Steelers end up winning the game. So I feel like if if anything, the Browns got over on that. But there were just several other points of the game. The rough in the passer call. Amari Cooper just continuing to push off Joey Porter all game on Joey Porter Jr. I said it. Joey Joey's got to watch it because at some point he's going to get called for fighting back there. And sure enough, he was. And I was like, okay. 
TJ Watt getting held in key situations. Even Nick, uh, 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 what's his Nick, Nick Her- Nate Herbig is getting held in, in, in key situ- in key situations. There was a screen pass where Nate Herbig, perfect position, all over it, ready ready to make the play. I think it's actually Nick Herbig. I apologize, but yeah. the brother thing always mixes messes <laughs> me up. But um, but like, he's in position. He's he's all over the screen. All of a sudden, the linebacker literally grabs behind his shoulder pads and just holds on to him. And Herbig just throws his hands. like, what am I supposed to do? No flags came. I, I thought that. You know, it doesn't excuse Kenny Pickett or his mistakes, but officiating was just terrible. Dale Lolly, who who works for the Steelers, pointed out it's the Hockey League crew. It's going to be a rough one, and he was absolutely right. There was there was another play where George Pickens catches the ball, tiptoes down the sideline, perfectly leans over. They even have the pylon on the sidelines now for if he puts the ball over it and he hits the pylon, you can see he gets the first down. He not only put it, he not only hit the pylon, he hit the pylon with his arm while the ball was ahead of it, and he still marked him two yards back. And I was like. I don't know what else you need to see there. So uh, it's just, it continues to be the story. NFL officiating, I, I think is terrible. There's everyone complains about NHL officiating, MLB officiating, umpires, and all this other stuff. But the NFL is making too much money of a league to not have full-time officials everywhere across the board, no exceptions, and, and to not be putting more pressure on them and holding them more accountable for situations. And again, this excuses nothing of what Kenny Pickett didn't do, what the offense didn't do, and the Steelers not winning a game against a very beatable opponent. I don't think the Browns are, are – I think the Browns' defense is good. I don't think the Browns are that good of a team uh, for the Steelers to have lost this game without terrible quarterback play. Also, how about this, Adam? I missed this, and I'm just seeing this on Twitter popping up. On the on the Kenny Pickett quarterback sneak, afterwards, you know, Kenny Pickett you know, had his helmet ripped off. Miles Garrett went to pick up the helmet and immediately – Broderick Jones like snatched it out of his hand and was just like, don't do that. And Miles Garrett's like, I'm not doing nothing. I'm, I'm sad I missed that live because that is actually really funny to see after the game. Yeah, we don't need any more uh, helmets in Miles Garrett's hand <laughs> in Cleveland with the Steelers in town. Uh, Chris, I, I talked about this with, with Paul last week before all the quarterback injuries kind of went down the way they did this week. But I think the thought was if the Steelers go one and one in these two divisional road games that they're still on pace for what they need to be doing. Do you still feel that way? Do you look at next week as a must-win game? Um, where's your your view in the big picture of them right now? You know, I, it's tough to say a must-win game. They'd be six and five if they lost it. Um, I want to let me pull up their schedule right here just to get things back and get things right in front of me again. Um, but let, let's say they're six and four now, and I believe if the playoffs were to start today. Looking at this, they would still be the seventh seed right now. So if they lost that week, next week, they'd be in trouble. Um, but they would have games against, and back home, games against the Patriots, who've been terrible, the Cardinals, who've been terrible, on the road against the Colts. They'd get a, a rematch with the Bengals in Pittsburgh. Seattle hasn't been good, and we, we know that them and the Ravens, just like this game, can be a coin flip. I don't think the Bengals game is a must win. But if it if if it's not if it's not one, it will make all the next four games must wins. Because again, that's the other thing: the Steelers are have six wins right now. This isn't last year where they were two and what two and six, uh, you know, in the halfway point of the season. I think they were three and six at this point of the season. Um, if they all they have to do is win four more games, and if they beat the and, and you look at the Cardinals, the Patriots, the Colts, you look at those those three games. If they win those three. And then, though, and neither of those teams have the defense that the Browns bring to the table. You, all you have to do is win one more game out of both the Bengals games, the Seahawks game, or the Ravens game, and you get 10 wins. And I think 10 wins right now in the AFC 
get you into the playoffs with how everyone else is faring right now. So I don't think next week is a must win, but if it's not one next week, it makes it makes every other game that much more important. But let's say they win next week. They're seven. All of a sudden, they're seven and four. They get those. They get those back to back home games against the Cardinals and the Patriots. They get the Colts again. You have a chance to be. You get to be ten and four going into your final three games of the season. Where if you win one more game, you're not just a wild card team. You're raising. You you might be one of the higher wild card teams. So I, I don't think they're in the dire straits yet. This is a disappointing loss. That if they pulled out, they'd been they'd been they'd have been in the driver's seat for their division because they'd be right behind the Ravens and literally they would control their own destiny. Now they need some help, but they don't need too much help. They still have most of the season in, in front of them. Chris, you're going to be back tomorrow on the North Shore Drive Monday morning. Um, I think it'll be either Ray or Brian joining you, right? Uh, yeah, well, hopefully hopefully it's Ray. We usually have Brian at the end of the week. Um, but, uh, but yeah, Ray, Ray and I should be on for the Monday episode. That'll give us more time to kind of evaluate things. Like right now, I'm kind of just breaking things down myself and looking over stuff. Um, so hopefully we'll have that. We'll have, we'll have more to talk about then. Um, and certainly we'll also see what's going on inside the Steelers locker room because – I do think one of the undiscussed discussions that will that will happen in the coming weeks is does this team still believe in Kenny Pickett? Do people are people behind Kenny Pickett? Because it's one thing when it's a bad game or two. But as much as fans are talking about, you still haven't seen the breakout game from Kenny Pickett. I guarantee you this, that, that there's players on the Steelers roster that are, that are that are thinking like, man, they're holding their tongue because they're trying to be respectful of the young quarterback, trying to figure it out. And that could be that that could be an issue. But now we're talking about in this in the last five weeks, he has one touchdown pass. That's not good by by any measure. And granted, one of those weeks he was hurt for the second half. Sure. But that cannot uh, that 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 cannot continue if the Steelers offense hopes to take steps forward. And if the Steelers playmakers, uh, you know, you know, keep their mouths shut, I think that's going to be it's going to make it that much harder for them to do so. Chris, thank you for all the insight tonight. Uh, you're going to be on Channel 11 tonight, too, on the final word, right? Yes, yes sir. Final word. I'm, actually, I'm hosting tonight. It's going to be a fun episode. We'll have uh, Pitt and Penn Staters, Johnny Patrician, making his debut appearance, Justin King as well, Doug Whaley, also uh, former Steelers front office man and Bill's GM. It's going to be a fun episode. Uh, Steelers fans, I know you're probably sitting there, but hey, you at least got some local guys breaking it down, so you don't got to deal with the national opinions breaking it down. So join us in the final word. That should be around 11.35 p.m. on Channel 11 WPXI. I will be on the couch for that, Chris. Um, if you enjoyed this video, please subscribe. Um, help us out in the YouTube algorithm by popping a like on the video. Um, and we'll talk to you again throughout the week. Uh, thanks, as always, for stopping by. Great audience today. Thank you for checking out this content from Post Gazette Sports. If you watch this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our channel. For all of the sports coverage the Post Gazette has to offer, visit post-gazette.com. We're still streaming. We it's it's hanging here on hanging on here. I hit the button. Hi everyone, if you're still there. <laughs>